calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another review episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey! hey! There we go. We got there eventually. That's how it works here on The Geek Buddies now, doing it all remotely. John and I are right on top of each other, and then there's like this weird pause before Shannon comes in. I don't know. I don't like yeah. it. I, like, I well, like to have a little bit of real estate around me. I, I, like, a, I like a wide runway. He's also not doing your the social distancing. Earbuds, so. Your social distancing, that's what's happening. <laughs> From our own show, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks everybody for downloading this episode or downloading this on the podcast feed for the Geek Buddies. We're excited to talk about the last two episodes of Picard, episode 9 and 10. Finished it out, watched it last night, finally dried my tears this morning, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. I am John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host here in this lovely uh, city of Los Angeles. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and a social distancer. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the Goldbergs. 
uh, and the Orvilles, but sadly not Picard, uh, unfortunately. But maybe in the second oh. season. Uh, yeah, I was I was really because I started to see the because it, it was under a code name and I, I I would get to see sort of the audition notices every once in a while, but it was very clear that it was Picard. So I would always kind of put out the good juju of like, hey, you know, I've worn prosthetics before on camera so successfully you couldn't even see me in the scene. Didn't work. <laughs> Didn't get you. Maybe season two. Maybe, maybe season, season two. Maybe season two. Maybe me, season two. Me and Whoopi. Maybe she. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot until just now that she was in season two. That's awesome. Don't don't bury the lead. Uh, let's jump into it. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, this is episode nine and ten. Of course, for you for you who all have been watching us or following us, we've been reviewing these two episodes at a time, and I think it kind of worked out for us to do it this way because now we get to review nine and ten, which are essentially part one and part two of each other at an Arcadia Ego. Part one and part two, uh, nine and ten happening. A lot of stuff happened in this. A lot of stuff that I enjoyed and then a couple of things that I was kind of on the fence about. So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys to hear you all's overall thoughts. So who would like to go first giving their overall thoughts about these last two episodes? Uh, well, I think we should just do what we've been doing. And Shannon, uh, as our geek buddy who is not familiar yes. with the Star Trek universe, how did this finale sit with you as just a pure Picarder? Uh, you know, I thought it was a very satisfying finale. There were definitely some unexpected turns, <laughs> like the giant orchids of death that can, oh. take, can take down a starship. Um, question for you guys. Had they ever gone into, in the next generation, did they ever go into who created Data? Was this was this brand new for you guys? No, no, they, that is that is uh, uh, Dr. Noonan Soong, uh, the the character that Brent Spiner played in, these, in this finale, uh, his father... Uh, Dr. Noonan yeah. Soong created Data and his evil brother Lore, and that is very well-tread territory in the Next Generation uh, universe. Now, did that doctor, did, the, did his father or the the inventor, did he appear in the Next Generation, or was he only spoken about? I believe only spoken about, but I could be wrong on that. But as far as I remember, he was only spoken about. Okay, yeah. I mean, everything. You know, everyone. I think <laughs> big, big productions, movies, TV shows. Everyone wants their in-game moment which they certainly got in this show. And for me, I mean, this, the big moment where all the starships show up, more satisfying than the Rise of Skywalker. I, I, I felt like it was earned. Um, and again, I agree not, with that. Not being, not being a fan of the next generation, watching Riker being the captain of his own ship. I was like, oh, this is, this is a great moment. Like, I feel, I feel empowered right now. Yeah, I super, I super enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Curious about season two. That smooth son All of a right. bitch. Just, just roll up in there. Hey, how you doing, Romulans? It's uh, <laughs> Captain Riker. Yeah, no, I love you. I will I, say I, that. Here's uh, the deal. I, yeah. I know. I will say that Riker giving Commodore O the business at the end was pretty satisfying. Like, there was just that, like, <laughs> that classic Star Trek, like, hey, you evil Romulan. Let me tell you what's going down. I was like, I was, I was really into it. It was, it was classic Star Trek to me. <laughs> yeah. What do you think overall, Mike, of these last two episodes? Overall, uh, I liked them a lot. Uh, kind of to what you were to your point, I think there's a ton to like about them. I think it was really satisfying, yeah. uh, and I also think they were a little rushed. I think that uh, they had a lot of plot threads, a lot of character arcs, a lot of things going on, and I think they got to these last two episodes. And I think they did sort of um, 
leapfrog over a couple plot points, get some things to uh, happen really quickly, some character turns happen really quickly, just in an effort to get everything in that they wanted to get in. Uh, and yeah. ultimately, I think it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. I'm happy with where it ended. Uh, I have a couple questions, which we can get to later. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so, so I think satisfying uh, some big surprises that I think we'll discuss a little bit more in depth in a few minutes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, a little bit rushed and a couple things that didn't 100% feel earned to me. Uh, that's, 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 yeah. my, that's, my, that's my overall, and then we can get into the specifics. What about you? Yeah, I, I enjoyed going along the journey of these two episodes. Certainly a lot of fun with characters, the fights, the battles, that kind of stuff. The Soji stuff was very interesting. I like that they kind of twisted this idea of, oh, uh, I'm also – it felt very Star Trek Six-like where you had a member of the people that were supposedly trying to get saved also trying to make sure that there was this battle so that they could take over and be in charge. So a lot of betrayals that were reminiscent that we've seen in Star Trek before – um, I did enjoy the, getting uh, Narek back to see what he would do with the whole situation. I did. I loved Rios and the five personalities of Rios in the room. I mean, that should be a Star Trek short on its own, to be honest with you. Really enjoyed that. And leading into these last two episodes, it, it kind of got me into a frame of mind about Rios as he was traversing all of this stuff. And then it earned, it, it, it felt really earned everyone's reactions to what we thought was the death of Picard. And I thought was brilliant. And I thought this was, would have taken the series to the next level to have the guts to kill him off in this way. Uh, but of course, in the end he isn't, but overall I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I did think some of the resolution was a bit like we could have done this in an episode. And I didn't like that feeling overall about it. Uh, but in the end, it is it's classic Star Trek Next Generation stuff, always with a lesson, always with a powerful message about the future and about getting along with each other. That is the Picard way. Uh, but I also loved that Data comes back in such a powerful way, both through uh, the son of his inventor and also Data himself in that um, conversation with Picard asking him to take him offline. So the death we thought we were going to get or was presented to us uh, there was a bit of a swerve and we got another death that would, I would argue was maybe even more powerful because of the affection people have for data. Agreed. I think so. I think, uh, you know, backing up a little bit to that first, the, the part mm. one episode kind of to Shannon's point. Uh, I loved the giant orchids that took down uh, the La Serena, the Narek ship and the board cube. Like I thought that those were just Classic Star Trek, something that you see more often in Star Trek than in Star Wars, where they just kind of go full sci-fi and you see things that are just completely alien and foreign. And I thought those orchids were pretty uh, pretty awesome and amazing. Um, I also, uh, I, I liked when we got to, as Rafi called it, Synthville. Uh, I thought it was cool yeah. to sort of uh, <laughs> finally see all these synths and realize that Soji and Dodge were sort of the most advanced, that everybody else still sort of had that golden sort of data kind of thing that you really get that Soji and Dodge were like the the ultimate dream of uh, of Maddox and yeah. uh, Noonan Soong and everybody to have that fully living, breathing, uh, human appearing uh, synthetic life, which I thought was really neat. I also think the big thing uh, is the reveal in that part one um, about Picard's condition, that everybody on yeah. the ship finally uh, finds out about Picard. And Picard in typical Picard fashion is like, you know, Let's ignore this fact that I'm going to die. Let's not be emotional. I'm not an emotional person. Um, but I thought we got a lot of really, really cool stuff there. 
Uh, and then the other big thing that happened in part one that was important for part two is that, uh, you know, Sutra, who is evil, yeah. uh, evil Soji, because just like Data has an evil twin, uh, now Soji has one too. Uh, you know, Sutra yeah. did that Vulcan mind meld on Dr. Jurati to sort of get that message. And we got that big reveal that the the message that the Romulans thought had been a warning all this time was actually not a warning at all. It was a message right. to synthetic life that was like, hey, we are, uh, I actually wrote it down because I thought it was really an interesting twist. They wrote uh, the, a, an alliance of synthetic life. So we have our United Federation of Planets. They have an alliance of synthetic life and that this alliance of synthetic life will come and basically rescue you and kill your, uh, you know, your organic oppressors. So this warning turned out to be almost more of a promise uh, that kind of twisted the tables. Uh, and then we got a lot of, you know, Narek was in jail. Sutra used him. They teamed up so that she could convince right. everybody that humans were bad. Soji decides to join with the humans. Jurati does, uh, looks like she's joining with the synths. Like a lot of back and forth. So I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff there uh, that kind of set the stage for all the crazy action that you guys are talking, you know, the end game moment and everything in part two. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought the, um, I thought the final battle was awesome. Like you said, Shannon, I thought the Federation showing up was great. I thought that just seeing all those Romulan warbirds was like very, very uh, like it was badass epic Star Trek moments. Uh, I liked seven of nine and Narissa fighting on the board cube. I liked mm. Rafi and Rios and yeah, I like Rafi and Rios and uh, Narek and Elnor sort of infiltrating the synths uh, village and using the soccer ball to get the thing in there that was going to blow up the transmitter. Like it was very, as my brother said, as we were watching it, it was very like return of the Jedi, like three, three mm. action set pieces all happening at the same time. Uh, and, and I, I really did love, I thought that the best, you know, I, what I really like about star Trek that they do really well is that you had all of this action. You had Federation ships, Romulan ships action. You have fight on the Borg artifact. Like I said, you have action on the ground. And at the end, it all comes down to like a Picard speech is what saves the day. <laughs> well, you know, it's Picard giving this like impassioned speech about hope and humanity and what it means to be human and how we need to help each other. Uh, as you had this like weird looking matrix snake thing coming through this portal uh and ultimately yeah. it was picard convincing soji what it means to be human that saved the day yeah but you also had uh, uh brent spiner's character like coming back going they didn't listen to your old ass at the federation they're not gonna listen to you now i thought that was a nice <laughs> twist to have somebody kind of counter the picard speech with a little bit of an in undercut part, which in part one yeah in part yeah, one yeah, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah part one sure. i like that but yes eventually in the end we do get the picard speech that does kind of everything. And the conversation she, he finally gets through to Soji after multiple attempts trying to get through to her. Plus, I, I, and I also enjoyed the comedic moments with Allison Pill that were, I mean, when her face appears like 500 times, that was just <laughs> genius. Uh, and so little things like that. And like you just said, Michael, the things that Star Trek does really well, I think Star Trek does the humor really well as well. Within uh, the tension filled moments, there's always these slight moments of humor. Uh, from the main characters or the characters involved that kind of keeps you feeling like this is going to be kind of quietly be okay, but still doesn't undercut the uh, tragedy that happens. So I always enjoy that. I mean, there's fun humor all throughout Wrath of Khan, yet it leads to the death of Spock, you know, yeah. and so those, those things right. are important throughout. Yeah. If I can point out one comedic moment that really, that really got me. Cause I mean, I yeah. love, I love organic humor. I love comedy that results 
basically what you're saying, John. Comedy that's it's not it's not set up joke. It's it's uh, it, it's born of what's happening interpersonally. And when Narek yeah, is situational throwing, humor, yeah, exactly. Um, when Narek is throwing those rocks at the ship, that was a great yeah. <laughs> and Rios gets on the loudspeaker like, "Keep going." I've always wanted to see what a phaser will do at point blank range. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's so one incredibly funny, but so wonder wonderfully in the characters that they've established. Yeah. I, I, I thought the throwing rocks moment was uh, great. It does bring up something that both of you said. This is one of those things that was really um, felt a little bit like whiplash to me is that Narek, who I guess you could argue that he looked a little bit conflicted after he tried to kill Soji, but he clearly was still fully on like Narissa's side uh, on the yeah. Zatvash side. And he pretty quickly at this point, after escaping the uh, the synth prison, kind of shifted gears. Like he was no longer on board with the Romulan plan to just like wipe out all synthetic life. And he went to Rios and Raffi and kind of like said, hey, let's all work together to sort of avoid this bigger issue. And he had a big turn. And then, John, to your point, in part one, uh, when Picard gives his big speech to the synths, like, I'll help you, I'll support you, I'll tell the Federation that this is a big deal – uh yeah. Soom's, dr soom sort of is like they're not going to listen to you yeah we've got to do this thing and then in part two he just shifts fully and is like hey i'm on your side now and there was a yeah. lot of shifting sides in these two episodes that while cool and kind of set the stage to get everybody where they needed to be it was like moving chess pieces around on a board didn't fully feel earned and it all happened yeah. so fast um yeah. but that kind of bugged me but uh still some great moments in there Uh, And then, John, to your point, I think that uh, my brother said literally the exact same thing you did uh, Mm -hmm. when Picard died. uh, He uh, he's like, it would have been really ballsy to have a show named Picard where Picard doesn't make it through the first season and everybody else just continues on uh, with his mission, with his whatever. Kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. I don't think they're going to let Patrick Stewart go when he's one of the strongest anchors to the show. Uh, But, yeah, I did think that the entire scene with him and Data so crazy sci-fi weird we're in a quantum simulation having this conversation and i thought it was that was great uh and just this beautiful moment uh i actually wrote this down too uh when data set when when picard kind of tells data he loves him uh which is really great because you sort of set it up in part one when raffi tells picard that she loves him and he has such a hard time saying it back. It's this really like, he's like, oh yeah, oh, do we have to say this? Like, oh, I love you too. And he like kind of runs away. Same. And then to have this yeah. scene, <laughs> you have this scene in part two where he sits down and really kind of like expresses his his grief about Data dying and his love for him. And then Data, who can't show emotion, says, uh, oh, it's line he goes, um, oh crap, I can't find it. It's right. Mm. Knowing that you love me forms a small but statistically significant part of my memories, which I think is as close as Data can get to kind of saying like, I love you too. Michael, it also, no, go ahead. It also, sorry, that moment also echoes back to what Soji told Picard when they were sitting across from each other, I think in episode eight. hundred percent. She said he just randomly without making a big deal about it. She says, yeah, he loved you too. Or he loved you. Well, and it brings up and a, she doesn't and even brings look up an interesting up for her point. Her food. Yeah, it brings up an interesting point that you say that like Soji is sort of like she has all the memories of Data, but has emotion, mm-hmm. and I think she mm-hmm. can recognize that Data, with his lack of understanding of emotion, she recognizes a thing that he couldn't that he really did love Picard too. So I mean, I thought that was a beautiful moment. Whenever they bring any of the classic characters together, it always works great. It's like the best part mm-hmm. of the show. That was beautiful. 
Uh, and then, yeah, and then you had this moment where Picard came back and like now is Robo Picard. Uh, he's in yeah. a golem. Uh, he's in the synthetic life form. And I think that's, it, it definitely made me, that was one of those things I was like, huh. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lot of, there's been plenty of shows that deal with the moral and ethical quandaries of being able to download memories into a robotic life, what that means for humanity, what that means for society. And it's like, is this something that we're going to explore in season two? Or is this right. just the way to get Picard back to life and we're going to ignore it? Like it, it was, it's such a big thing to do when they could have just sort of be like, oh, Soji used her synthetics know-how to get rid of the tumor in your brain. Turning Picard into a synthetic life form is a huge uh, choice. And I'm just curious right. to see and how they're going to carry that through into season two. I don't disagree with you. And I think I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, this is a convenient cop out. And I, I just I, I just didn't like the way that felt. And I agree with you, the synthetic life form version of him and the fact that they just said, well, you'll live no longer and no less than you would have lived anyway. It, this, I mean, like they kind of just like kind of made everything fit just so they could bring keep bringing Picard back season after season so that left me with a little bit of a batter taste in my mouth that i was hoping for but so much of it was enjoyable that it was tough to ding it too hard for that because of course you do want picard to come back you do want patrick stewart to come back and although he did walk away from professor x so there was a piece of me that really thought they were going to go through with this because of course why wouldn't patrick stewart just go you know what i'll do one season and we'll wrap up the character yeah. and I'm good and we'll wrap up the data story once and for all, and I'm good. But it still was nice to see him be on the bridge of the inter- or the bridge of a, a ship, rather, and say, you know, engage and have all the everybody there. Uh, which I like that new crew now. Now, if this is the crew going into season two, then I'm excited. If Seven of Nine is now a full regular season member, great. Uh, and everybody else involved, I'm I'm a fan of it. So yes, I agree with that. Like I like that crew. It brought up a couple. There was a couple questions I had at the end. That I, just, sense a, I sense a butt coming. <laughs> well, no, there's no... There's a disturbance like it. in like, your force. <laughs> it, so a couple questions. A couple questions, and then we can talk about this in a moment. Yeah. Like, one, as I... Uh, like, the very beginning of part two is Seven of Nine and Elnor kind of talking about what to do with the XBs. Like, you have these X-Borgs. Right. And what do we do with them? Elnor's like, should we just kill them? And Seven of Nine was like, well, should you just kill me? And there's a discussion about what to do with them. And if Seven of Nine is on the crew, like she ends up on board uh, the Serena at the end, what happened to the XBs? Like, are they staying with the sensor? Yeah. Like, the what the the sort of rehabilitation of Borgs, uh, of, of people who had been assimilated by the Borg, was such a big piece of the season that that seemed like yeah. something that was just left on the table. Uh, another thing is Soji joining the crew. Soji, who has had this longing to find her home, find her belonging, finds her people. And instantaneous yeah. is like, yeah, but you know what? I want to wander. And I'm like, okay, that seems convenient. And the <laughs> other thing that sort of irked me was the offhanded way that they were like, well, now we can travel because the Federation lifted the Sith ban. And I was like, okay, wait. You're telling me that this key piece of Federation law that we've hinged our entire season on that was like, yeah. synths are so dangerous that we are banning them. And then you get to a finale where you find out that the synth life forms almost brought a group of synth people through a portal that were going to wipe out humanity. And your response to that is let's lift this ban seemed so yeah. sort of what, like, even if yeah. they had kind of gone with the whole, 
we're headed back to the Federation to sort of discuss this. In, like there was just, it's such a big moral quandary that they sort of brushed to the side so that you could just have this crew go off and do their thing. And I was like, and again, my point to you that we said at the beginning of this, I like everything. I like this crew. <laughs> like I, I think this is a solid uh, ensemble cast to continue on in the season two. It's just that so many big themes, things sort of got pushed around to get them there. But that being said, uh, I was still mostly happy. Do you think creatively in terms of the XBs and the synth band being lifted, do you think those were done for the story because they did not know if they were going to have a season two? No, because they greenlit greenlit season two almost before they were done with season one. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they had an idea that they were going to go forward with season two, no problem, no matter what the reception was to season one. I think they'd seen that they had a good show on their hands, certainly from the reviews, most of the reviews, rather. It's been pretty positive overall up and down the board. But the 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 thing that I think they looked at was as a standard Star Trek, like as great and grandiose as Star Trek can be sometimes, it also can be sometimes convenient and simplistic. And certainly when you watch any of the TNG episodes or the old series episodes or any of the TV series episodes, sometimes they end and you're just like, oh, okay, it was convenient, but screw it. I still enjoyed it overall. And I felt the same way as this uh, ended. It was like, okay, you're right. The thing about the sense is actually a great point, Mike. I mean, you could argue that, well, they were defending themselves because they thought that you guys were coming with a threat. So logically, that's what you do. Sometimes we have to understand the other side of things and, and not just sanction the hell out of a country or a people because, you know, we, we want to give them negative characteristics. If they defend themselves, then then almost you almost have a sense of respect in that way. And so you get, OK, let's fight. Let's find the the uh compromise but you i agree you make you you make really good points yeah you make really good points i wish the show brought those points up and they might be like i like i like they might we might get to season two and you get back and you know they're like whoa whoa we didn't say we were lifting this like like they might explore these things in season two and that'll be interesting and if they don't then this is just a super convenient ending and that's what it is but yeah to your point i love the crew i thought it was really interesting uh so Clearly, Rios and Gerardi budding romance here. The sex uh, that they had was not just Gerardi trying to sort of navigate her way out of being a double agent and killing Maddox. Like, they, there was a kiss yeah. there. Also, uh, some interesting hand-holding between Raffi and Seven of Nine, which yeah. took me by surprise. But, uh, hey, I'm here for it. Makes sense to me. I'm, yeah. I'm down. I'm down yeah. for some uh, so, some lady romance on the Serena. Well, um, and I was so the- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I love the maternal moment that Raffi had with Elnor when after Picard's yeah, death. I mean, that, that almost was, broke me. Elnor. That full on. Yeah. That full on yeah. got me, got me teary eyed. Yeah. 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 That, El- that Elnor just sweet. like broke, like that was great. Uh, Johnny, what were you going to say about, holding. uh, yeah. Oh, no, I said Sorry, another thing. That seven we to nine, about, Raffi. Yeah. 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 They like with the Raffi stuff, we didn't get the storyline of with a kid wrapped up at all. Like it didn't really kind of, it was kind of left where it was. She went into her drunken stupor, then climbed out of it. Kind of like what you said, this idea that like things are presented and then not fully kind of explored consistently through the the next few episodes. Uh, and she did, you know, she did order the thing to not, uh, that uh, the uh, uh, Rios simulate, whatever that is, whatever the name of that one is, to like make sure she didn't open the alcohol anymore, didn't go there and, and disabled the, uh, roundabout code or the whatever it is the the code there uh, so yes that's dealt with but 
the ramifications of the thing with her son was so presented was presented so powerfully and then really wasn't resolved. Uh, and I guess you can leave it to season two, but I feel like if you present something in season one, you should at least semi-resolve it so it can carry into season two in some way. So. Uh, I mean, I, I agree and disagree. I think that it's okay to sort of have some of these things open and know that you're going to delve into it later. Uh, but I'd like to kind of to your point, Johnny, I think that's where some of these other bigger issues like the synth ban probably also should have been yeah. left on the table to be a little bit more resolved. Um, right. but yeah, I'm interested to see where it is. You know, I mean, they've, they've set up Raffi as a character that has a estranged relationship from her son. Uh, mm -hmm. Seven of Nine uh, slash Annika is a character who lost a person in her life that was like a son to her that we right. saw in this season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that relationship. Like all in all, I think that my, my end feelings about Picard were uh, maybe with the story they chose, they bit off a little bit more than they could chew in 10 seasons. It felt a little bit rushed yeah. at the end, but I like all the characters. I like the world. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy. It gives me awesome Star Trek moments that I've sort of been longing for as I've been trapped at home and want something to be hopeful and inspiring about humanity. Uh, so I'm excited. Like I'm excited about season two. Uh, and even though I have like my quibbles and things that uh, I wish could have been a little bit differently or had been explained differently or had been maybe approached in a different way. Ultimately, I think this was a really successful first season. Oh yeah. So much more so than discovery first season was, I think this, I think you walk out of well, hard season one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. All right. Well, I think you walk out of Picard, Picard season one with a hopeful feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. And maybe they'll take some of the lessons, just like season two of Discovery did. They'll take some of the lessons from season one and work on them and come back with a better, stronger season. And I hope the same thing for season two of Picard. It comes back with a better, stronger season. And we'll get less of the TNG nostalgia and a little bit more about the storylines of the crew themselves and developing their own mythology and their own nostalgia that we can look back on years later. I hope that happens with season two of, uh, well, of uh, Picard. A couple things. One, we're going to do an episode one day where you and I just hash it out over discovery season one, because you are wrong. Discovery season one is so wrong. good. <laughs> uh, you are wrong. Discovery season one started off, started off rough. Like the first three, four episodes rough. But from the mid-season way oh. on, uh, it got <laughs> amazing. So good. Yeah. Great TV. But to your other point, I think one of the differences... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Sorry, yes. Uh, I think one of the differences between TV when Next Generation came out, and I think this is true of Deep Space Nine, I think it's true of Voyager, and where we're different now is most big uh, action shows, sci-fi shows, genre shows are built on a big event each season that is life or death and there's mysteries to unsolve to, to solve and riddles to unriddle like there's a whole thing going on that kind of drives everything so that everything is like action 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 moving forward and you find the character moments when you can versus a show like next generation or d space nine where you can have an entire episode where you're kind of taking a break from the bigger stuff and focus on the characters and next generation i think really found its footing back in the day when they relied on, let's just do an episode where Data's trying to understand humor or right. uh, where Deanna Troy is, you know, exploring something with her mom. On. Like there was a lot of episodes that were just fully, this is all character stuff. There's no giant cloud that's trying to destroy the Enterprise. There's no Borg. It's just fun stuff. And I think um, 
uh, our TV shows today don't necessarily have the space for that. So you have to find the character moments in different ways. So I agree with you. I do want to like delve into more of these relationships. I would love to have an episode of season two of Picard where they weren't running from the Romulans or trying to save, you know, like anything. Like I, th I would love to just have an episode where it's them on the ship and we really get to know the characters more. And I hope we get to yeah. see more of that in season two. What do you think, Shan? Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable series. Um, I'm not necessarily motivated to go back and watch everything. I'm not necessarily motivated to go watch Discovery. Depending on how long um, our, our, the world's current situation lasts, I might, I might, I might run out of programming and be like, "All right, let's let's break open I mean, the generation." You could be the tiebreaker on this Discovery situation uh, if you watch season <laughs> one. So. so, so just watch a recap of season one, then get into season two. I think that's the way to do it. Okay, and I'll just no, that's not. Well, no, 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 no. Let me let let you both know right up front. My loyalty can be bought. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, uh, you know what? It's a CBL access show. I don't think I'll be shelling out a lot of shekels to buy you to go, to go on this side of it. You know, Shannon, spilling the tea. Uh, Shannon, the tea. <laughs> Shannon's got some Ferengi in that uh, bloodline up there somewhere. Clearly, nah, that's the guy Gosh. with the, the brow that goes around to like the back of his head, right? Yeah, well, yeah. That's the, the race of aliens. The race of aliens that have that. Yeah, yeah. The Ferengi are yeah. a race, not a person. That's what I meant. God, Shannon, don't be so dumb. John, I'm really feeling like Discovery didn't do well its first season. Yeah, it wow. did not do well. Its first <laughs> don't just... let him fool you. He's a he's a TNG guy. He has no idea what he's talking about with the uh, Discovery. Discovery is an original series type uh, show, and that's what they fixed in second season. The first season, they didn't even know what timeline they were in. They were like, "Well, let's grab a little bit of this. Let's grab a little bit of that, and shake it all up, and let's see what we got." And uh, in the end, you're just like, I don't like anybody on this ship. I could give two shits about anybody on this ship. <laughs> then in the second season, you're like, oh, okay, thank you for fleshing these people out, showing that they have multi-dimensional multi characters on this ship. That's more enjoyable. So I I'm just saying. Shannon, Shannon, I'm willing to say that I know your tastes and I know what you like. And I'm willing to say that you are going to love season one of Star Trek Discovery. I will put money on it. Well, I, I'm not trying to intimidate you uh, as a writer. I could hire on my show. I'm just asking you to look at it personally and look at me as like, you know, I, I have no dog in this hunt other than a very honest and uh, uh, a forthright uh, opinion on a show. Yeah. Vogel, I'm, my, I'm, I'm switching my side to you. No, that's what's <laughs> that's messed up. John, that's messed up. John's not even trying to buy, buy my affection right now. No. Do, do you know what I like about you, Shannon? You know how to choose a winner. <laughs> That's a winner, you son of a bitch. That's a winner. <laughs> Can we really just cut over? <laughs> for everybody, for everybody listening and not watching, Roka just decided to cut over to the outlaw. Uh, opening theme music so uh i guess that's right that's right we are I mean, we are on the outlaws youtube page we are on the outlaws youtube page i guess we're living in an outlaw world i should uh, i should i should watch what i say carefully it's global it's global son well played uh, anyway. well, well played johnny <laughs> i guess covid19 is not the only global pandemic we have the outlaw as well there's two of them <laughs> it can spread just as easily uh, i would say 
I, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to season two. I, I, we'll see what happens. Of course, we could tear this. We really could. We could sit here for an hour and a half probably and tear both of these episodes, you know, piece by piece, scene by scene. But overall, I did like that you also, I do want to mention this thing the seven of nine interaction with Rios, where she says, oh. I swore I wouldn't do this again and killing someone. That was kind of a subtle message about uh you know the the fury of violence or the fury of revenge and what it can really lead to and that's one of the i honestly think that was one of the most realistic interactions i've ever seen in any film or tv show about the idea of revenge it's just very flat out straight up it's like because it doesn't feel good it, even when you take that it doesn't feel good and it in the long yeah. run it won't and she said i swore i would never do that again and here she is doing it again so I thought that was nice. And then, of course, Rios and his own thing, too. I'd never swore I'd I swore I'd never like care for a cantankerous old captain again. Uh, and uh, I did. And so I, I like this idea of human nature that no matter how much we tell ourselves sometimes that we shouldn't do something, we're wired to do that particular thing and take the consequences of it. And, uh, you know, it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a thing that can be judged. It's just something that exists, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that was a great scene. And like I said, we said this countless times, but Jerry Ryan just killing it. Dude, uh, yeah. where has she been and why isn't she in a lot more stuff? She's incredible this season. I I do, and it is, again, we talked about this too. I really love the new cast. I'm excited to see them in season two, but it is a lovely thing to see these characters, these actors who played these characters for years and have now gotten older, uh, you know, and, and step back into these roles and just, it's like putting on, uh, it's putting on an old suit or something. It just fits right and it feels good. And they just sort of yeah. inhabit the role in a way that you can't when you're just getting to know a character in a first season. So uh, having them there has been really just a joy. Uh, as we were saying, as Shannon said, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart did invite Whoopi Goldberg on The View to uh, reprise her role as Guinan in season two. So we know we're going to get her, hopefully, we find out what happened to Jordy and Worf, and we get a couple more fun cameos as we continue to get to know this new cast as well. Yeah, I need to know why Worf isn't with Deanna. That's what I was presented at the end of Next Generation when they did the giant time jump in the finale. I thought it was going to be Worf and Deanna Troy and not Riker, so I need to know what happened here. There's no way. Yeah, but in first contact, where the but in first contact, uh, in first contact, Riker is pretty. The Riker Troy thing is still pretty going strong. It's true. It is. It is. You're right. I don't and that's post next generation. Yeah. True. Yeah. No, point. we, the less said about nemesis, the better. <laughs> uh, all right. Any final words before we wrap this thing up? We're at 35 minutes on this review. Any final words? Not for Shannon? me. Nope. Uh, none for me aside from check out Star Trek discovery season one. It's really good. <laughs> And check out Star Trek season discovery season two of Discovery as well. It's even better. Uh, thank you all so much for watching our reviews of uh, Star Trek Picard. We've had a great time watching the series this year and reviewing them for you. We'll definitely be reviewing more stuff. I think with uh, Clone Wars, we'll wait till the season ends and then we'll do a full review of the season and talk about it from that point. Now that we've finished the Bad Batch series and we're in the Ahsoka Tana stuff, we'll see how that all plays out uh, as the season wraps up in a few weeks. And we'll definitely do a full-on season review of that. So look for more reviews coming down the pike here from uh, the geek buddies certainly with things being delayed or pushed back we haven't been able to review things as consistently because there's not much out there that kind of uh, checks the boxes that we do on this particular show uh, but there will be coming down the pike so look for that uh follow shannon mcclung right there at shannon underscore mcclung follow mk follow vogel at mk tune uh follow me at the roca says uh what else do we have to say shannon about our own 
shows. Well, if you'd like to follow the Geek Buddies on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. And on Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. Mike? Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts about this show, about Star Trek Discovery Season 1, and anything else you want to talk about. Uh, so wherever you, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, definitely subscribe below, leave some comments, let us know what you think. Uh, and if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify, uh, or iTunes or wherever you are listening to the Geek Buddies, rate us, leave us comments. Uh, the more that you rate us, the more comments you leave, the higher we go up in the rankings, the more people find the Geek Buddies as an entertainment podcast. And, uh, we want to get more people joining the conversation while they're sitting at home trying to figure out, uh, how to while away those isolation hours. I know exactly how you do that. You watch season two of Star Trek Discovery. Um, so what you also just coming down the pike, we're going to have a live. We're going to start doing some live episodes of the Geek Buddies where you all can send in your nerdy and geek questions and we'll answer them for you as we're talking about subjects and topics as well that are going on. So we'll be announcing that soon when the first one's going to happen. We're trying to angle up. We're trying to do one a month uh, so that you all can feel like it's a big get together. And maybe that'll be a longer show than usual so we can hear from everybody and you maybe even get brought into the chat to ask us your question live on camera. So things of that nature definitely come in the pipe coming down the pike for the geek buddies so watch out for that all right let us know like michael said what you thought of this review and what you thought of the show in the comments section below remember to like and share this video on your social media and subscribe to the outlaw nation trying to get to those twenty thousand subscribers and please pass on the geek buddies to your friends and your neighbors tell them how much you enjoy the show because when you post about it you retweet it or you tell people about it that is you telling people who trust your opinion to go into the show and enjoy a show. And uh, it just, it's a stamp of approval from you to your friends for us. So thank you all so much for watching this episode and we will talk to you next time on the geek buddies. So close. (laughs) We almost got there. We almost got there. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.